things that he has promised them that have not yet happened. 
God forgives us. But we see in the next few verses there are consequences. Sometimes they have to reap what they've sown, even in the midst of the forgiveness. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now David, writing centuries later, understands that his ancestors did not. That God takes care of us in all circumstances. That when he leads us, he's doing it in some forms of safety. Green pastures and still waters sometimes. But other times he leads down and restores our very souls. That in the midst of what we do, he's always leading and guiding us in the right path. Although sometimes we as sheep go astray. Even in those moments when our very life is in trouble and in danger, he is there. Always loving and protecting us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The precious promise. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Now last week, Paul talked about how anyone can be confident in their own ability to sin, right? He was someone who followed the law of Moses as carefully as it could be followed. He was born to the right family. He had the best training and education. And he was zealous. And without mercy, he fell on those who felt were in the wrong. But then he met Jesus. And Jesus changed his life. And here he urges the people of God to stand firm. He implores the church to be of one of the same mind. And he does this in a relationship with two ladies who are in disagreement. Paul says, listen, we're not to be locked in perpetual arguments. He says, I love both of these women. They're in disagreement with each other here, but I remember when we worked together to spread God's love, when they worked with me. But now they need to come and be brought back into unity. And he urges the church in Philippi to rejoice in whatever circumstance they find themselves in. Remember, he's saying this while he's in jail. He's in a Pollyanna mind. He's not romped into the field being known as the rake. He's about to stand before Caesar. He tells them, let gentleness lead your actions. Let prayer undergird and support everything that you're doing. And then the reminder, the one I prefer when the blessing goes out, right? Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he admonishes the church to focus their attention not on the things that we, even today, too often turn our attention to, on the brokenness of the world, on the lies and half-truths we find all too often divide the body of Christ. No, Paul says to think on whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable. If there's any virtue or any praise, think on those things. Our focus should be on those things that draw us closer to God and to each other. We can't live with unity or with each other if we believe every half-truth we hear. We let gossip rule. And Paul ends by telling them to continue living the way that they know they should live and that the peace of God will be with them when they do it. Our gospel starts off with one of those kind of tongue-in-cheek sayings. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables. Last week, we read another parable of God and the role of the vineyard owner, right? He left his vineyard in the care of his tenants as he went off. And when the time came, they didn't want to pay. As he sent servants, they beat and killed those who were sent to collect and couldn't bear. 
Jesus told him the vineyard would come and replace the tenants with those who would listen and obey. Remember, Jesus is still teaching in the temple. It's right after Palm Sunday. And here he begins another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Now here we get a joyful event, right? Not the day the rents due. That's not a joyful event. The prince is getting married. There's going to be a big feast. Back then, banquets, these feasts would last for a full week. They were big, big events. Priests would have speeches and dancing, prayer and music, and of course, lots of food and drink. Remember at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when in Cana, Mary asked Jesus to make more wine because she's trying to help the host not to be embarrassed in their community because they either didn't plan well enough or maybe they couldn't afford to get enough wine to allow everyone to come and partake for the whole week. sent out his people to get the guests. And they wouldn't come. So he sent out more people again, imploring them to come because everything was ready. He said, what? The food's cooked. It's on the table. Come. They wouldn't come. They began to mock and mistreat the servants, hurting and sometimes killing them. And the king had to go and deal with them. And then he went and told the servants to go and call everyone they could find to come and dine. He said is not going to wait because the guests who were first invited refused to come. So the servants were sent out to the highways and the byways, the places where the visitors and the poor and those of a bad reputation might congregate. And they were invited to come to the party so long as they were ready. As far as parable goes, this one's pretty straightforward, right? The king has died, the son is Jesus, and the invited guests were the people of Israel, God's chosen. Slaves were the Hebrew prophets going all the way from the beginning to John the Baptist. And maybe some of the later ones were the early church. The burned city of Jerusalem. The good and the bad are members of the church. And include the righteous and the unrighteous. And the rutting road there equates to faith. Why? Because without faith it's impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. And Jesus says it only takes a very small amount of faith see Mountain View. It's that cloak of righteousness we put on and wear in Jesus. Have mercy and endure forever. He has mercy on us today, just like he did the Philippians. Just like he promised David. And just like he did with God's people in the early church. And our job is to invite others to come and join in the wedding feast that comes as a result of God's love